Hey, everybody, and welcome to another My Angular Story. This week, we're talking to Chaz Gatton. Chaz, do you want to say hi? Hey, everybody. <laughs> now, uh, you uh, were on episode 222 of Adventures in Angular. Yes. And we talked about enterprise Angular development. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and it seemed like a lot of the stuff we talked about was people stuff instead of code stuff, which was kind of funny. But. Yeah, well, I, 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 that's what I was kind of concentrating on at the time. So it was in my mind, and it's mm-hmm. kind of what I wanted to get out there to the world. Good deal. Well, um, this show is a little bit different. We talk a little bit more about you and a little less about technology and things like that. And uh, just kind of to give people an idea of who's out there doing Angular. And a lot of folks, what actually happens is they'll listen to an episode and they'll say, hey, you know, I'm going through some of that same stuff. Yeah. And... Anyway, they, they get different things out of it. So, um, and everybody's experience is a little different. So I'm a little curious to, to see where we wind up with your story. Yeah. And start us off. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. Yeah, how did you get into programming? Right, that's, well, I, at the beginning, I was all in because my dad was a I'm a pretty successful programmer and uh-huh. you know, I was just like, Oh, this is cool. And he bought me a PC and I was into it. And then, you know, I was just like, where am I going to go to school? What major should I pick? You know, that's a big dis- decision as your high school senior. And I'm like, you know, let's just do computer science. I mean, that, that, that that's awesome. I love computers. Let's just do it. Um, so I, I went out to college at the university of Toledo and quickly found out that I did not have the study habits for college. And I was, I was doing kind of poorly. Um, I finally, I I know. I I can identify with that. (laughs) I I basically ramped myself up in the, towards the end in like my, uh, my junior and and senior year. No, my senior year, I mostly just, yeah, that's where I kind of dug in because I was looking at my GPA. I'm like, oh God, I need to get a job. Like, what did I just do? Thought I was destroyed and on top of it all off it was 2008 and the market just was crashing at that time and I didn't have a job just getting out of school and everyone else that felt around me was at least like going somewhere and I didn't feel like I was going anywhere so I did what I had to do and I went back and lived with my parents for a good solid three months until I found a job just doing uh, telemarketing like basically helping people out over the phone answering questions um, and you know, like it's not really telemarketing. It's more like tech QA over, I don't know how to describe it. It was terrible. And I got fired within the first month. It was that <laughs> bad. <laughs> it was bad. It was not what I was meant to be doing. Um, but I knew I wanted to do, I, I knew I love technology and I, and I knew I wanted to do something with the web. And so I, I applied to, to this one job. It was just, a, it was an internship. They were just looking for 
or, you know, like someone that was still in college, but I was like, I don't care. I'll go for it. And I went for the job and I didn't end up getting it. But I, a couple of weeks later, I emailed the guys that were, you know, I was interviewing with. And I said, guys, you know, I'm really into this web thing. I'll just come learn for free. I'll do it for free. Like I am so into web. I love it. Let me just learn. Cause at the time I was experimenting with like at home by myself, you know, with my parents, I'm just like doing Xbox live development. It was kind of weird. I was in this like weird funk. Um, yeah. And they eventually just said like, yeah, come on board, come on in. Um, so I got to work for this startup for a good three, four years, just four years there. And yeah, I learned everything just because it was a startup. It was me and another guy, full stack development, SQL, uh, .net. So that's where I learned everything. And it was because of that job. It, I, I got to say, I didn't learn, I, I learned fundamentals in college, but it wasn't exciting. It wasn't like, I liked, there was something about like the assignments when it's like, Oh, the game of life, look at how pretty a couple asterisks are on the screen. Whereas like when you're building something, you're showing it to someone and you could see, like you see them get excited and, right. and you're like giving them the new experience. That's, that's what I wanted to deliver. And that's, that's why I, I love the web. Um, so yeah, thankfully that, that company gave me an actual in and, uh, just a kind of a tangent, funny story. I applied actually to the position I'm in right now. I applied as a software developer at Highland software. So right now I work at Highland software in Cleveland, Ohio. And I applied out of school for this position that I'm in a developer position. And they, they told me no. They told me no. And I said, okay, whatever. And my dad just so happened to work at this company. He worked here. He was a developer here too. So, you know, like out of school, I was like, okay, my dad has been working at this company for like seven years. I got to have an in, like, right. There's like 400 developers. <laughs> just get me in this place. So he's like, okay, I pulled some strings. Maybe you can do some QA. And I was like, yeah, I'll do QA. I'll, I, I was desperate at the time. Right? right. And then when they got brought me in for the interview, you know, I'm, they're looking at my resume like, no, 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 you need to be a developer. I'm like, Oh, but I, they sent me the the dev test. And I just failed the dev test and I was terrible. I mean, I wasn't prepared at all for that development test, but I was like, I could do QA, right? And they're like, no, 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 no. We don't want to, you know, you're too smart for QA. We don't want you. Um, so I was like caught in this like weird funk where I wasn't good enough for development and I wasn't good enough for QA and I just wanted to get a foot in the door. So thankfully the startup got me in. Right. Where, so I learned everything I needed to do there. And then eventually my wife, who was also working at Highland Software at the time, she said, you know, you should reapply for Highland Software. We really could use a developer like you. And I was like, uh, you know, I gave them, I gave them a chance to have me and they passed on me. You know, like <laughs> I was kind of getting cocky at that point. Cause I was like, I know I could just do it. And so right. she finally convinced me and I was like, okay, I'll do it. Um, and I, I got that that same dev test. It was, it was very, it was a little slightly variant. It was variant a little bit, but same type of test. And I just like blew it out of the park. Like every, every question I nailed to a T and, and cause my wife who worked in HR, you know, I was able to look at my old dev test and then look at my new dev test. She was able to pull up the files and stuff. And I'm like, wow, I, I really advanced myself in that four years. Um, so yeah, and since I've been working here at Highland Software for the last five years, I'm now a senior developer here and I'm working on modernization of our entire stack. Um, so that, that, that's, we're basically a .NET shop, you know, for throughout, you know, a lot of C++ developers, C-sharp developers, and we're kind of modernizing everything over to the web, which is amazing. That's awesome. And I'm glad that I'm a part of this and we're using Angular to do all of that. Nice. It's, it's interesting just to kind of follow that story. It's funny because, um, I actually did QA (laughs) 
and then and then moved into development. Um, but uh, and and that was because they told me that I couldn't do development. Yeah. So it's kind of the reverse role there. Um, they they were super picky on the dev team, and um, my boss, who was actually trying to offload me, didn't have enough clout to move me over there. Right. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway. And I. Um, I not to like, this is kind of a side tangent thing. I've just been thinking about this recently. Like that experience has kind of made me think more that I think in the future when we're evaluating like talent and I think it's kind of shifting this way. Like I think we're going to start looking for more people that just have the passion for it than the actual, like the, the, the skill set. Um, because you know, I've, I've worked with a lot of developers here and they might've been awesome at school, but I can tell the people, like I can give the people that are passionate about it tasks and they come back and they get them done. You know, I'm like, thank you. I mean, I know that you didn't go to an Ivy league college for this, but you, you actually got it done. And so that, that's something I'm looking for now as you know, I've been in a couple um, of my own, like as I'm recruiting for the company, that's what I look for. I look for people that, you know, that they might've shown that, they could, could have struggled. That's, that's fine. They might not know everything about CSS, but do they, do they, what do they, they listen to these blog posts or these podcasts. That's like huge. If you're doing that right now, that's, you wouldn't believe how important that is, at least to me for finding new talent. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. My, my, uh, it's funny, my second development job, um, I, I was actually a team lead and that was one of the things that I really look for was, yeah, people who really cared. Um, but it's also interesting what you're saying because um, I have a brother and a cousin and a few other people who are going through CS programs right now. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've been asked a couple of times, like what, what's the most important thing that, yeah. you know, that I can be learning. And what's really interesting to me is that um, when I have that conversation with them, I don't look at them and go, oh, well, you need to know these things that you're learning in your classes. I look at them and say, you need to learn to work with people. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a, that's a critical part. And actually, um, that's one of the things like our, on our team, we have like a, uh, our own like practices. And, and instead mm-hmm. of like trying to teach them Angular as much, it's a, a core part of it is um, how to learn, learn how to learn, you know, yeah. in a way, like what, develop um, – habits is the number one thing we try to teach other teams like go out there find your favorite blog post find subscribe to a bunch of youtube channels you know there's angular fire that's out there that's awesome they're always putting stuff that's not actually angular fire um there's just all these great resources develop develop a uh yeah just habits do you're and you're doing it every day like i wake up at five if i wake up at five o'clock i open up my phone I'm, I'm immediately looking at Reddit on Angular's, you know, I'm going to GraphQL. Um, it's just like, I don't know. It's just a, it, you have to ingrain it in your everyday life, absorb it and just be a part of it. And you eventually kind of slowly know it makes you better because you're a part of the community that is as a whole better. Yep. So uh, one thing that I'm curious about just talking to you and uh, kind of finding our way into this story yeah. Um, you, you mentioned that you got into .NET. How, how did you wind up making the transition to, hey, web is the thing and JavaScript and Angular are, are the direction I want to go? Well, I knew early on, like out of school, I just knew that when I got out of college, I wanted to do something on the web. I just thought it was a medium that hadn't been that hadn't reached its potential yet. And I still don't think it has reached its potential. I think that there's I think that we're just seeing like the, the big, I think we'll look back like 15 years from now and it, this will still be like, what, that, that's how they did it. You know, like we say that about like pages that have to do full post back, 
you know, from 1999 and they just look old, right? We were like, oh, that was the web back then. That's how people did it. And then we're in this like new generation of modern spas. Um, it's just, I just think that web is just this thing that is ever evolving and it's going to keep manifesting itself in better, richer ways for, for that, that influence our entire community. Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, I was, I, I listened to Gary Vaynerchuk a whole bunch and he, he basically says social media is the slang term for, you know, the internet basically. No, and in true. a lot of ways that's true. And so, you know, it's the, the web itself is this interesting infrastructure that things are going to run on. But mm-hmm. yeah, what, what is the next slang term going to be? Is it going to be VR? Is it going to be AR? Is it going to be something else? Is it going to be some mix of things? Is it going to work through our phones? Is it going to look more like phone apps that work over APIs? Or is it, I, I mean, there are all these possibilities. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, I think WebAssembly is going to unlock something that we don't realize yet. Like the DOM, the JavaScript, the CSS patterns that we kind of learned and we hold as our truths to the internet. Right. I think WebAssembly is going to come in and it's going to blow that away. And we'll just be able to create new experiences using completely different radical tools. Like just there's some limitations, you know, like for, we don't have all the things we want to do all the mm-hmm. times. So, you know, there's plenty of stack over full of posters like, well, how do I do this? Or how do I do this? Like, well, you can, but you got to do all the, like, they'll just be, I, I foresee like another framework in the next 10 years. That's just going to be all web assembly. It's going to give a completely new user experience and it's not going to use HTML, CSS, JavaScript. It's going to be, it might, it might, it might allow you to use those types of languages, but it's going to kind of, it, <laughs> it could just be a complete paradigm shift in how we do the web. Interesting. That's what I think is coming next. Cause I think we did pretty, I think we're at a point now where we're kind of, we're everyone's kind of on the same page we got the browser vendors doing all the right things for us. We got good frameworks. The development experience is finally at a, like an all time high, like things are good in the web. Um, so it, I think we're due right. for another big thing. It's like, Oh, here's a thing that's just changing it all. And I got to relearn it all. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I, I, I'm really curious to see where it goes, but yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I, no one knows, knows? but that's, that's what I'm hoping. Honestly, that's what I hope because yeah. if there's something radical like that, that means um, we're, we're doing our part to push the web. Yeah. hundred percent. So um, how did you get into Angular? Yeah, I got into Angular. I was hired here to do um, web form ish kind of development. You know, it wasn't really web forms, but it was using the ASP.NET um, web form technologies. And uh, then this project just spun up that w- it was going to be, oh, we're doing this all cloud first thing. And this was like four or five years ago. And um, they started working on it. And then they needed, they just needed some talented web developers that were like looking into new stuff. So I think like the first big thing I did for that team where I kind of like showed them, hey, I can do this was um, I spent like three weekends uh, learning webpack and in its emphasis oh, wow. this is like my favorite thing like my wife comes in I, I spent three literally three weekends it was like i just remember sitting there learning this configuration like what is this doing why is this not documented well what does this do <laughs> it was like so painful but I, I eventually got through it and like i was like blown away by what webpack could do and i remember telling my wife i'm like this is going to change the entire company because we were doing stuff with gulp you know grunt right. it was just it was that day and we had so many different build tasks it was it was and so what i did was i came in and i showed them the tech and they're like okay that 
seems pretty cool. I'm like, oh, you guys don't get it. You don't get it. You don't get it. You don't let me, let me take apart this whole build system and put it all back together with Webpack and show you the power of what this stuff actually is. Um, and after that, they were like, yep, yeah, you're on board. <laughs> you're maintaining this. You know how to use Webpack. And then that turned into a thing. And yeah, they're still using that same build configuration this day. Nice. Yep. So yeah, with it, and then that eventually just grew into the company. I, w- I was working on the Angular JS stuff, and then that's when the company kind of shifted a little bit and said, "We're going to modernize the entire stack web." Um, and then they threw me and another guy, Jason Lutz, into a room, <laughs> and, <laughs> and they said, "Like, go learn this stuff." And I was like, "Oh, this is this is my bread and butter, man. Just give me this tech. I want to learn it." Yeah. So I got to you know. I wasn't in the RCs of Angular, but um, I, w- I got to do some early two, you know, the released ca- release version of two, um, and just I've been learning it ever since. And now I've kind of transitioned a bit um, after I've kind of I started out with a team, and, and that quickly grew into six people as we brought them on. And now I'm like kind of focusing on uh, integrating myself myself onto other teams just to, you know, get them up and running, teach them the best practices, um, get them over that hurdle. Because I found that like, I don't know, maybe it's a corporate thing, but you sent, you tell someone, Hey, go watch this plural site course, you know, at their desk. Right. And they, they don't, they don't really absorb it all. You know, they might, I think there's like, they need to be doing something. You need to be exercising that little muscle in your brain to actually build something and try to solve problems with angular to learn angular. Right. Yeah. I've been doing a little bit of that with Vue, and yeah, I just picked a, a project that I want built. Of course I start building it out. It's just a basic, um, dashboard but Mm -hmm. uh of course then it's oh well i wanted to gather this information so now it's got to connect to google calendar right right (laughs) and all these other this would be cool yeah i know but but it's fun to figure all that stuff out too right yeah definitely work that out so yeah so you said you started with angular js was that something that um your company adopted or did you wait until angular 2 no, yeah, it was just this one new startup project that they had four years ago. They were like, yeah, let's use AngularJS. It's, it's new. You know, this is where Knockout.js and you know, right. there was like a mix of all these different things. And thankfully, they kind of went to Angular. I didn't, honestly, I didn't like AngularJS. Like, I still don't like it to this day. I just thought it was very confusing. I love Angular. Don't get me wrong. But AngularJS, it just, the whole scope. And this whole, it was just, it was just weird. I didn't, it was like a funk. It did what you needed to do. And you're like, oh, that's cool. I got data binding and I got, I can dependency inject different things, but I just always felt like it wasn't like complete. And I, I, and I guess that's like maybe the history of that. I don't, I don't know the exact history, but I think it was like, oh, this is a really cool framework. We should open this up for more people to use. And that's definitely not the popular viewpoint. (laughs) Oh, it, it was. <laughs> of course, uh, we started the show back when it was Angular JS and came through the whole um, transition to Angular, Angular Two, and mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people were missing a lot of things from Angular. <laughs> we'll just put it, or Angular JS. We'll just put it that way. But really, yeah, yeah, that's maybe the purest. I try to. I'm not really. I don't know. I the freedom that you had with those other frameworks. Could I, I didn't really, yeah. if you put it in the wrong hands of people, they would do fun things. They get too creative sometimes. <laughs> and that would just lead to technical debt when yeah. they left or, you know, it was, Fair yeah. <laughs> so what kinds of things have you done with Angular that you're particularly excited or proud of? Proud of? Um, 
Yeah, good. That's a great question. Um, yeah, the the team that I'm most you know mostly work with, um, we've just been doing some really cool stuff with with the entire stack. We've built schematics. We've built builders um, that you know as a part of the CLI. We've uh, actually we have a plugin that we're trying to open source for NGX Translate that'll allow component library developers to merge their library translations. So we're, we're just like, yeah, we, we need to start contributing to the, uh, to the global ish, you know, community of angular. Um, yeah, we're, so what we're, what we're trying to do is we're trying to build a platform. We're trying to leverage angular to literally build an almost like an operating system over top of it. Um, provide mechanisms for developers to open dialogues, you know, like these facades that sit over top of, you know, the, the base uh, Angular framework so that uh, we don't have like 10 different variant styles of a dialogue. So a developer would basically call into a service, inject the service called dialogue service and say, hey, show an alert, you know, and it would throw up an alert. So building up some, you know, core platform functionality with angular which so far has been pretty successful i was i'm you know i was kind of worried that that would be a really bad idea um but so far we've had like at least eight other teams at the company adopt you know our platform that's kind of it's in its infancy right now but um we're and we're growing it all the time but i think it's a really great pattern for companies that are like highland that have 800 developers and you're trying to get them all on the same page, you're going to need to build some type of framework um, around that. You know, you just don't want everyone just building their dialogues from whatever they have. And sure, you can point them to the material design components if that's what you pick. And that's, that's actually what we we're using. We're using material designs. We're using those components, um, but you need some other glue to make it your own. And that's where our platform comes in. So that's where our platform component will actually inject new styles into the Angular material components. It, and it may override some of, the, some of the behaviors of those material components for you. This episode is brought to you by TripleByte. Applying to programming jobs sucks. You have to put the right keywords in your resume. You spend hours and hours on the phone screens and take home projects. And that's assuming the company even responds to your application. Well, if you're a software engineer, TripleByte can help. They work with over 400 top tech companies from big names like Dropbox and Adobe to exciting startups. You do one brief online interview with them. And if you do well, you go straight to final interviews with the company on their platform. It's like the common app for software developers. TripleByte does not look at your resume or where you went to school. All they care about is if you can code. I've helped dozens of software developers with various credentials get jobs. And this looks like a terrific way for you to get in and get interviewed and get a job without a lot of the hassle and overhead. You can go check them out at triplebyte.com slash a story. That's triplebyte.com, byte as in eight bits. As a special offer for listeners of this show, if you take a job through Triplebyte, they'll offer you a $1,000 signing bonus. So that's what I'm most proud of. Nice. Very working cool. On, working on that, that beast, which I don't know, still could be a bad idea. <laughs> well, what, what's the hardest part then of integrating uh, technologies? Is it, is it the technical end or is it getting people on board? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, yeah, it, at least in the corporate world, I don't know. It's, it, let's just say large, large company, large developer. It, it is trying to get people on board just, just to adopt new technologies. Everyone's been pretty open to Angular because they've been basically WPF developers and they, they all are 
thirsty for something new. Um, but I can't say that's the same for all technologies. So not to like go too far off the Angular path here, but um, I've been pushing GraphQL pretty hard. And I've been like, it's, it's actually, yeah, I, I'm losing a lot of credibility because I'm pushing it so hard. <laughs> that, that's interesting. Yeah. So why, why, why are you losing credibility for pushing a particular technology or technology set? Um, yeah, well, I guess I feel that way. I feel that I'm, I don't know if that's actually the case, but, um, you know, people are like, oh, that's a GraphQL guy. That's a guy that's, you know, continually trying to tell us that our REST APIs are, are terrible. And I mean, when you look at them, we're building canonical REST level two APIs and what we're trying to build is something awesome for the web. And I'm looking at like these calls, the, the network requests that the traffic, I'm just like, no, this is never going to scale. This is never going to scale. And I was like, I was kind of worried like last year where I was like, I don't know what we're going to do. And then I stumbled upon GraphQL. I'm like, this is the technology that we should be using. And it solves so many problems. Like we, we evaluated on the back end, sorry, for the front end, you know, state stores, let's go. NGRX, RX, not RX, NGRX, uh, Akita, um, you got Austin McDaniel's version was NGXS. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Shit, there's probably another one I haven't evaluated. Right. We've evaluated all those and I was like, man, there's just still a lot of boilerplate. It just rubs me and these guys that are developers that are WPF are just not, not that they're not gonna get it, it's just they're gonna look at it and go, really, that's what we have to do now? Um, without really understanding like the reasoning behind it. And as I started playing with GraphQL and I, I'm using Apollo client, you know, in most of my, yeah, in all my demonstrations, uh, that solves the problem. I mean, it, it does come with a couple caveats to using it, but I think the, the, boil, the boilerplate's gone and you're able to basically drop your components in on a page dynamically, you know, and up, let Apollo just handle all the state management. It's really actually beautiful. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, that, that's what I'm, kind of, yeah, I'm working on a lot of a GraphQL Angular stuff right now. And that's, that's what most of my research is landing on is pushing this company to use GraphQL um, for the, for the stack, for this platform stack. Nice. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you know. I don't know, man. Too many rest calls. We're in trouble. Uh, it's, I, yeah, it's, it's going to be difficult. So is that primarily what you're working on these days or are there other things that you're doing? Um, well, more recently, and we can talk about, I actually just started contributing to this open source project called Single Spa, which is kind of interesting because it's, it's, um, it's a library for doing micro front ends and it allows you to run Vue, Angular, and React like all in the same spa at once. So you can have, you know, you can have your React nav panel and you can have an Angular toolbar all in the same spot, which is really cool. Um, and there's an Angular package for this. So I just recently pushed some code to allow you to add this to your Angular CLI project. So you can um, do a quick ng add a, uh, single spot Angular and it'll put all the stuff in there for you to you know, build the build the correct modules to pull this stuff off. And uh, so, I yeah, that's something I'm just kind of like dabbling into, like is a micro front end a thing that I should be thinking about? So I don't know yet. I think the jury's still out in my mind if that's a good idea or not. Um, I think it, it comes down to like what kind of scalability you want, but it's definitely interesting, like to have multiple teams just shipping individual components or applications choosing whatever framework they want and then kind of gluing it all together on the front end. That's pretty interesting. That is interesting. 
So what's it like working on that? Um, actually, it's the first time I've really contributed to open source and it's been awesome. Um, it's, it's better than I, I was just telling a colleague of mine today. I was like, this is actually open source is better than working at home. Um, <laughs> sorry, not work. Sorry. Working here working at the company because, um, I, I contributed just like I gave a, I gave them a builder and a schematic that they could do this stuff with. And they're, they're tiny community that they, it's not like super huge. Right. But like the, like five people messaged me on there. It was like, Oh, thank you so much for this. This was awesome. And I'm like, wow. Like I, I don't, I don't get that kind of thanks at my own job. This is awesome. Like I, that's the kind of encouragement I need. I need people to say like, this is cool. I'm loving it. So I love it. Like that, that's, that was like a huge rush. And, um, I'm I'm gonna definitely contribute more to that project. It's it it seems pretty promising. Nice. I think it's interesting too. It sounds like you've been doing this for quite a long time, and you you know you've now just now come around to con- contributing to open source. I think a lot of people get intimidated by the idea of contributing to open source, and never quite get there. So I, yeah. I'm I'm also. What do you wondering, think that is? I I don't know. I think it's some of it's imposter syndrome. I think some of it, I mean, I haven't contributed a ton to open source, but I don't have a ton of time. And if I do have time, then I'm podcasting instead of contributing to open source. And so I think there's some of that too. Um, You know, people are busy, but I I think a lot of it is just people don't, they either don't know where to get involved or they're afraid to uh, look silly in front of, you know, open source heroes or whatever. So, yeah. And I, I mean, if your team at your job isn't pushing you, then I would look to the community to try to push you. You know, yeah. and that's, that's one place to do it is make pull requests to popular projects. You're going to get critiqued. You're going to get better. Yep, absolutely. So um, uh, here's a question that I'm going to throw at you. And okay. this is one that I've picked up recently that wasn't in your list. So uh, I apologize for that, but I have a list. <laughs> I sent you a list of questions. These are the things did you? I <laughs> yeah. I don't think you did. I don't think you did. <laughs> uh, well, maybe I, I sent you a summary of the show because you were talking before the show about you know, we're going to talk about you and your journey into code. Oh yeah. That's just from your previous episodes. Yeah. Oh, okay. All good. <laughs> All so, right. Yeah. So, so new question. A, Here we go. This is a new question. And yep. uh, it is, is, is there a point in time that you struggled or that you have an interesting or fun story, you know, within your career that uh, you, you can talk us through? Cause um, it's, it's one thing to kind of hear, Oh yeah. You know, I, I kind of got into angular because of these things It's a different thing when it's like, uh, you know, this was hard and I got out through it or, um, you know, Hey, there was this fun thing that happened to me at this point in my life. So, um, yeah, there's been a ton of problems that I've had that I've just been like, I'd get up out of my desk and go, uh, this might be the last time I do gang <laughs> or, or whatever. We're going to be like, this, this is it. This is it. This is the one, this is the one that I have to hand off to someone else. Cause I can't do it. No. Um, yeah, I, well, <sighs> You just want me to talk through one of the, like the most difficult, one of the difficult. Sure. Uh, so, um, Highland Software primary primary focus is document viewing. Like we mm-hmm. store documents, and so they wanted to rewrite a document viewer, right? In web technologies, and this one that we had in ASP.NET was, um, you know, had full post back, and it just was so bad. And yeah, right, tackling that in angular um was was daunting um I'm lucky i had i the first pass i did with it i was by myself which never do that never that's advice to everyone out there like if you're tackling something as big as basically writing 
Adobe Acrobat, <laughs> like viewing documents in a scrollable way, right? That, if that, and zoom in, zoom out, rotation, all of that stuff. You got to have another person with you. <laughs> there was a lot of times where I was just by myself. I'm like, I don't know how to solve this problem. And if I had someone, you know, a whiteboard something, I would have, I would have had some, would have done it. Um, but I got the job done, and I, I, my first pass wasn't that great. So um, last year, that's when I was like, let's let's do this again. Let's whiteboard this thing out. Let's let's actually get this done the right way. Because um, it was my first pass at like RxJS. So I was, I had like subjects subscribe nexting within subscribes it was it was oh my god looking back i don't even want to see that code uh, <laughs> so w with a little bit of knowledge learning yeah we were able to re-architect the viewer and uh yeah it, and it, it works great it's virtualized you know the pages are virtualized and it supports up to ten thousand pages it's it's an awesome viewer that we've been working on so i'm pretty proud of what we what myself the team uh ended up doing there awesome yep all right. Well, uh, one other thing I'm going to dive into here real quick is how do people find you online if they want to follow you and see what you're working on? Before? Sure. Yeah. Uh, my Twitter handle uh, at Cgatton. That's C-G-A-T-I-A-N. And uh, that's my primary contact. Yeah. Just reach out to me through there. If you have questions about Angular, I'm open to that. Like in the last blog post or the podcast we did, I had a company actually reach out just for some, you know, like they wanted to talk more about changing the organization. Like if you're going through one of these phases yourself and you feel like you're alone in the world and you need someone to kind of talk through some of the stuff I've been through it. Um, I wish I had someone on the opposite end, you know, like a, two years ago to help me out mm -hmm. with some of this stuff. So yeah, if anyone's going through that transition, definitely hit me up. I, I can uh, talk you through some of them. Cool. Yep. Um, well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Sure. All right. My first pick, I'm already going to plug it again. Single spa. It's kind of cool. Check it out. Um, that's a single spa. You just Google it. Just Google it. Right. Okay. Um, GraphQL inspector. Uh, that's a, a, a pretty cool tool. If you're doing like GraphQL -ish stuff, you can compare two different schemas and find breaking changes, which is pretty neat. That allows your backend developers to kind of auto detect if they're going to break the clients, which is cool. And one thing for the web here, web accessibility guide. Um, just a ton of different, uh, all it's like a huge collect. It's like, it's what I love to see, like a list, a bull of the list of all the things, a checklist of all the stuff that you need to just be aware of as a web developer. Um, yeah. So you can go there and like, Oh, I should be using ARIA labels on this or don't put a label on this element. Yeah. It's all those little things that you end up finding out through either bug fixes from people that are using screen readers. If you're, if you're, if your software supports that. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty cool list of just a curated list of all the stuff to check out. It's a good checklist. Good deal. Just put those in the chat and we'll make sure that we get those out to people. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to throw in a few picks of my own. So you mentioned uh, Las Vegas before the show. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to be heading down to Las Vegas this weekend for MicroConf. MicroConf is a small business. Uh, it's mostly focused around SaaS businesses, um, but it is, uh, it's, it's a terrific conference. And I, I usually go and I network the whole time and then I'll go back and watch the talks later because <laughs> <laughs> the talks are excellent too, but you just, you can't take the interaction home and do it at home. So, right. Yeah, no, definitely. So yeah, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And then um, I mentioned this on some of the shows that we recorded this week. Um, and I, I, I'm kind of changing the tune a little bit on it. Um, so I have decided to build a podcasting booth that I can take to conferences. 
And that way we can uh, record conferences or record conferences, record podcasts at the show. So we would just get some exhibitor space and, and, you know, and do it that way. And I'm hoping to be able to work with some of those uh, conferences to actually, you know, have them um, ship the um, booth out and then, you know, basically put me up in a room and things like that. Yeah. Uh, the first the the dream, first right? <laughs> yeah. the, the first conference that uh, is, has committed to this, of course, they're not putting me up in a room for reasons that will become apparent is NGConf. I live near Salt Lake City, so I will just sleep in my own bed. Um, that and my wife is going to be gone those same days. So I'm going to be taking my kids to NG Kids, <laughs> right? Cool. Doing the conference and then coming home. Um, but so yeah. What's, this, what's the booth look like? Is it like a tiki booth? You got a theme on this thing? So what it is, is um, Margaritas. a bunch of panels that, and some of them have windows in them. Okay. Um, we're we're going to set up microphones and uh, allow some of the podcasts to come in and record. So um, some of the podcasts I intend to invite besides um, Adventures in Angular are, um, uh, what do they call it? It's the... Uh, Angular Air. Angular Air. Yep, Angular Air. Um, I know that John Papa and Ward Bell and Dan Walleen will probably be there, so I'll let them yeah. do Real Talk JavaScript while they're there. Um, Joe Wien started a show called uh, Dev Ed Podcast, yep. and so I'll probably open it up to them. Um, and, you know, anybody else who has a show that wants to record, you know, we'll just um, allow people to reserve times in the booth. That's awesome. Um, we'll see if we can help through the conference organizers um, get the guests that they want in there, so to speak. That's really cool. So, yeah. So, we'll see if we can line all that up. Um, and I'm, the way I'm building it, I'm actually going to be putting speakers. So, I got this idea from Buzzsprout. So, if you're getting into podcasting, Buzzsprout's actually a really cool tool that you can use to host your files and things like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, the way that I got as much information as I did about how it was work, how, how the booth was put together is um, I was at PodFest a uh, week and a half ago. That was in Orlando. And uh, they had their booth set up. They've had it at the last two or three years worth of podcasting conferences. Um, but anyway, so uh, I was walking by and I started talking to one of the guys at the booth and, you know, hey, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at putting something like this together to go out to programming conferences. And he's like, oh, well, I'm on the development team for Buzzsprout. And I was like, oh, that's cool. What stack do you use? And he's like, well, we're on Ruby on Rails. And so, of course, I high five him and tell him, that I'm one of the hosts on Ruby Rogues. And he's like, oh, you're that guy. <laughs> that guy. You get yeah. that a lot. Um, <laughs> you're that guy? <laughs> you're that guy. So it, I, I get it sometimes, not you're that guy, but at the conferences, you know, people will be used to hearing my voice. And so they'll, you know, they'll turn around and, oh, hey, you know, I love the show or something. But that's cool. Yeah, it was just funny because we were already talking. And so anyway, it turned out that, uh, the three guys that, that had set it up and everything were on the dev team. And so he introduced me to the other two guys who are also Ruby Rogues listeners. And so I got, I got extremely willing help. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> but it was, it's, it's been really awesome and they've been a ton of help. So I just want to shout out to them as well. Um, and I guess they have a bunch of other products that they have put together for various things that they do. But um, yeah, so I'm going to be bringing the booth up. Anyway, what I'm hoping to do is this year, I'm not sure if I can 100% sell the value proposition to all of the conferences that I want to go to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because I want to expand the, the reach of podcasts in general in the programming space. And so 
I'm hoping that people will back a Kickstarter and allow me to do somewhat of a podcast tour. Oh yeah. I'd be into that. So, you know, if, if you want to contribute some money, then, um, uh, I mean, I'm going to have blank panels, so I will put contributors names on one of the panels. Um, but yeah, then, uh, I'm hoping to make it out to, um, I just got, uh, tickets to the O'Reilly open source conference, which I think is OzCon if I remember right. But, uh, anyway, so, you know, if I can talk them into giving me some booth space and to ship it out, and if not, you know, then I, what I'm hoping is I can get it out there, become kind of a fixture this year, you know, get people's attention. Mm-hmm. And then next year, you know, come back and say, Hey, look, you know, can you help us come out? And, yeah. But it, it raises the profile of our shows, which is nice. It also allows me to network with other podcasters. And it, like I said, it'll raise the profile of podcasting in general. Definitely. Um, software developers. So that's, that's what we're aiming for. And uh, yeah, so that's a project that I'm looking forward to. Um, I w- initially, I was putting the Kickstarter together to buy the materials to build the booth. Mm-hmm. But um, NGConf basically reached out and said, um, we're going to pay you to rent the booth is what they said. And that actually is enough for me to buy all the materials. So get a margarita machine in there too. That's when, that's when <laughs> it gets for real. Like sit down, come to the booth and get a margarita. Oh man, that would be awesome. You could have John Papa there with his, uh, <laughs> with a ice cold martini. There we go. And little bar NG bar. Yeah. Something like that. Anyway. So I'm hoping to line all that up and see how we can uh, make that work. So anyway, that's, that's kind of what I'm working on these days. Um, cool. yeah. Well, thanks Charles. Thank you for coming. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.